Hello and welcome back to the PAL with Tani G. I'm your host, Tani G. We're in Chapter 5, Paragraph 20, Parakei Mishnah Chaf, here in Pirkei Avos, Ethics of the Fathers, with article notes on the bottom. Questions, comments, suggestions are always welcome at MaximumTEE at Yahoo.com. Let's talk about the better type of arguing. Any dispute that is for the sake of heaven so full of his will in the end endure. The notes at the bottom say will in the end endure. There are several interpretations. Their respective views will be remembered, even those of the one whose opinion is not adopted, as Rambam explains. Since their disputes result in a clearer understanding of the Torah, they will continue to have such disputes, Rav Yonah says. The disputants will live and survive, unlike Korach's company that perished, according to Rav, and the disputants will succeed in their goal of finding and clarifying the truth, according to Rav, as well. So, but one is that is not for the sake of heaven, will not in the end endure. Which is a dispute that is for the sake of heaven, this is a dispute between Hillel and Shammai. Notes of the bottom say, though they had disputes regarding halacha, they were concerned not with triumph, but with a sincere search for truth and the exposition of Torah. Hillel and Shammai is quoted many times in the Talmud. And interestingly enough, I don't remember where I heard it, but I think Hill and Shama even married into one another, and they were respective of one another, and they understood one another, and they were in it just to find the clarification of the truth. And sometimes Shammai won, and many, many other times Hillel won, but it wasn't really winning, it was just whose opinion made more sense for the situation. And they still always respected each other, and of course their families intermingled, and they're both recorded for posterity because they were disputing for the right reasons to try to clarify and understand the wisdom of the Bible, the wisdom of the Torah, in order to see how we should go about in many different laws and many different aspects. But the Mishnah continues with She'ena L'Shem Shemayim, which is not a dispute for the sake of heaven. Zuma Chlokes Korach V'chola Daso. This is the dispute of Korach and of his assembly. The notes at the bottom say their dispute was merely a rebellion against authority and accordingly met a tragic end. Interestingly, the words say that the Machlokes, that the argument was not between Korach and Moshe. The original Parsha talks about Korach coming up and ganging up against Moshe. We'll talk about that in a second. But it says Korach v'chol adaso, because Korach was fighting within his own assembly. Because the whole idea that they were trying to get about was really just a dispute for the point of dispute, which is really not a good type of dispute at all. It doesn't say Korach and Moshe, it says Korach and Zadasu. And I don't remember where I heard this, but I remember somebody pointed out in this Mishnah that the Mishnah chooses its wording very carefully always, but it says here the dispute was within Korach and the people himself because they probably couldn't come to a point of agreement. They all were power hungry, even though it wouldn't matter to them who the leader is because they're going to have to follow someone. And this is what Own's wife said as opposed to Korach's wife. There were two types of wives wives, excuse me, in this situation, in this story. Korach's wife got righteously indignated for for her husband, but not the right type of righteous indignation. There is a type of righteous indignation we may touch upon in a second. But this one she was like Moshe and his and his brother and then and their sons. They're all in these positions of authority, and you're also of the family of Levi. You're also a cousin. You're part of the family. Why are you not part of this? You should go, and you should 
stand up for yourself and you should go get the mantle and get the kingship for yourself or get a part of the kingship for yourself. So she sent him to his ultimate doom. Whereas On, Ben Peles, his wife, did the opposite. She saved his life. I don't remember also where this came up, but she figured out a way to save her husband from ultimate destruction and ultimate doom. She said to him, On, what is the difference whether you're serving Korah or you're serving Moshe? In the end, you're not going to be the leader anyway. You're going to have to follow someone else. So why not just stay out of it? Stay home, help me cook, help me take care of the kids. Don't go off on this foolish errand when you're going to have to have to sub, to submerge to authority anyway. Moshe is the one that took us out of Egypt. Aaron is the great peacemaker. Moshe hears things from Hashem himself. Let's follow Moshe. Let's not go after this fool's errand. And you know, Korach, when he uh, when he went to Moshe, his question, as explained by, uh, I think the, the Talmud maybe explains it, and maybe even the Medjish explains it, but he asked Moshe questions that were seemingly... Seemingly he was trying to get the answer, but really he was just instigating. He was just trying to be an instigator. He said... If you have a talus, if you have a prayer shawl that is fully made of blue, does the string need to be blue? We know there's an idea of techelas. In the olden times, we knew exactly what techelas was, exactly the type of blue that had to go on the tzitzes. It's supposed to be a string that's supposed to be blue. To remind you of the ocean, to remind you of the sky, to remind you of Hashem above, who's our one and only king. So Korach asks, if there's a prayer shawl that has full blue, do you need a string that's blue as well? And Moshe, I think, answered yes, and he said, this is crazy. You have a prayer shawl that's fully blue already. Why do you still need the string? Obviously, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We shouldn't follow him. There might have been another question he asked also, but he was trying to get everybody instigated. So that's the type of machok is the argument that's not the argument we want to try to have in our own lives, in our own daily lives. Don't try to be an instigator. Don't try to, to tease other people and to mess with other people just for the point of it. If you're with your coworkers or you're with people around you, don't start an argument just because you feel like it. They say at work you're not supposed to talk about politics, you're not supposed to about, talk about your private matters, and you're not supposed to talk about religion because these are things that are hot topics, hot button issues. So don't bring them up just to see people's reactions. Don't bring things up just to make people angry or upset or want to argue with you just because you want to argue. Try to keep peace not only in the home, but keep peace wherever you go, especially at work. And if you need to have purpose purposeful argument, then make sure it is purposeful. If you need to disagree, do it in a way that is constructive and beneficial, but done in a nice, calm, relaxed manner where you could intermingle with the people and interact with the people in a calm way. And also, if you need to have the discussions with the, with the spouse or the family members, it should be at a time where you're not in the hat zone. The hat zone, people say, is hungry angry or tired. Other people have other shitas, what the H-A-T stands for, but in our opinion, don't argue when you have the hat on. Don't argue when you're hungry. Don't argue when you're angry. Don't argue when you're tired. I would also say don't argue in the heat of passion when you're super um, angry, not even angry, but you're, su- you're super strong emotions at the moment as well. So make sure to take off the hat and argue when calm and keep a calm mindset. And when you need to argue, when you need to d- discuss things, it should ideally, ideally be when it's quiet in the house, when the kids are sleeping, when you could talk amongst yourselves. And if it needs to be at that moment, try not to do it in front of the kids. And it's hard for me to do this for myself. And of course, it's me talking to myself mostly. But this is a good idea in general to have. And if you need to discuss it, it should be in a calm mindset. And don't use the words calm down. They say that the two words that never ever calms anyone down are the words calm down. doesn't help. It makes people more upset, so don't use that as well. And when you discuss things, discuss it in a a calm manner, of course, as we mentioned just before. 
and do it with nice, respectful words and in a relaxed manner. Even if it's a very hot-button issue, it can be done when calm. They say that a person that yells at another person, the best way to dissuade yelling is to remain calm because the other person is trying to rival you up, is trying to strife you up, and is trying to get you all reveled up. The best way to combat that, especially at work, if you have a boss who's irate, a boss who's set off every five seconds, and a boss who's very against you, the best revenge, we don't take revenge, but the best quote-unquote revenge would be to talk to him in a calm manner because he's trying to instigate against you. He's trying to get something out of you. He's trying to slip you up and find any excuse to get rid of you. But if you find a way to stay calm when he's passionately angry... That will one-up him. That'll make him have to calm down because every time he gets at you and you respond calmly, he's going to realize it's a fool's errand. He's going to realize he looks ridiculous. You don't really look ridiculous, but he doesn't. He's going to have to calm down. And we mentioned as a side point righteous indignation. There's a lot of times where we should have righteous indignation, but there's a lot of times we don't. The best example of this also was Pinchas, who was like the opposite of Korah. Korah was trying to get things for himself, and Pinchas was trying to avenge God's honor for himself. You know, when there was the immorality going on as a result of Bilaam, the, the, the non-Jewish quote-unquote prophet who said that you should send out the girls to try to um, attract the men, and especially for idolatry. So Pinchas saw that the leaders were doing it, and it wasn't good. And he got the spear, and he took it up because the law was forgotten by Moshe. And the law is that if the zealot wants to get up and take care of what God needs to be done, then he should go do it. And that's what righteous indignation is, standing up for what's right in a proper respectful manner. Join us next time as we move over to talking about bringing merit to others here on the PAL with Tani G. And I'm your host, Tani G.